Hey, this is Amanda and Shelby. Come and See is a podcast where we invite you to join in with us as we study the Word of God. Bi-weekly, we're going to upload an episode recapping what we studied in small group the week before. Two invitations Jesus gives us in the Gospels is to come and see and to go and tell. When he calls his disciples, he invites them to come and see. Follow me and see what the Father is doing. When he is raised from the dead, he invites Mary and later the disciples to go and tell. Tell all the world what the Father did. Come and see is an invitation to join with an open heart and see what Jesus has done. See for yourself. Don't rely on what your preacher says or how you've been raised. We hope that you will use this podcast as a commentary, meaning that you've already come to the Word and studied for yourself before you give us a listen. Come to the Word, dive in, and truly see what Jesus is inviting you to. We're going to do an introduction to Galatians, who wrote it, why it was written, to whom it was written, when it was written, and just kind of get into all those details before we start into chapter one so we have a really good background of what's going on and why. So Shelby's going to tell us who wrote it and um, maybe a little bit about who wrote it. Paul wrote Galatians. Um, He was one of Jesus' apostles. And he's going to get into it, so I don't want to, like, do too many spoilers, yes. But he was not one of the original 12, which is going to be interesting to see how he came to be an apostle when we get into the first and second chapter. But the timing of it was disputed among scholars. Most agree that it was written sometime between the late 40s and the early 50s. And a lot of people, which is interesting, believe that it was Paul's first letter. So that's just kind of fun. Who was the letter written to? Like, not a specific church. I thought it was one specific church. The Galatian churches, it was a series of churches that were all in this province or region of Galatia. So, I don't know exactly how many churches that there were, but it was this whole series of churches that were being affected by the same thing. Right. At this point, I do know there was, like, a northern region and a southern region, so it kind of makes it seem like it's pretty big. So, there probably are several churches. Tell us, without many spoilers why Galatians was written. So the reason it was written was because these Jewish people who had converted to Christianity were coming in telling them that they needed to also follow the law like as if they had been a Jew. And so the problem with this was that it was adding to the gospel, which was basically telling the Gentiles that they were free and they were invited into this family and adopted as as children just like the Jews had been the chosen people before, like we're welcoming the Gentiles in now. And so for them to hear this type of false teaching would have been super duper confusing to them. It would have made them really confused and upset and feel like they weren't a part. And it was um, really just causing kind of a division within the people. Yeah. And like taking back what was given to them, like, here's your freedom. It's kind of saying like, here's your freedom and now I'm taking it back. And no, no one can take that from you. And that had to have been how they were taught. Like, I mean, they were taught the gospel and that Jesus was through his death, burial, and resurrection. They're given freedom and um, freedom forever that no one can take from them because you can't take back the cross. And then it's kind of these people coming in. And um, like I had the question last week that like, was it intentional? And then um, Shelby said it was intentional (laughs) after reading some of chapter two, I guess. So it was when I was reading Acts 15 and it was talking about some of these people and it said that they were they were sent in to spy out their freedom. And that's interesting because, well, he says that in chapter two of 
escalations, to be clear, but they were mm-hmm. also talked about in Acts 15. So putting those two together, it was like, oh, wow. So they really were here to, they were curious about it. They believed in Jesus, but they maybe didn't fully understand, or maybe it wasn't a sincere belief. It, I think it's hard to kind of break that down and know, like, how intentional it was, if it was, if they really just wanted to lead people away, or if they were just so focused on what they knew and their human abilities and works and the things that they had accomplished, that they, they were taking their eyes so far off of God and so onto themselves that they couldn't see it clearly. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of this too. Yeah. Some other things that people were saying, we're going to call them Judaizers, Jewish converts who had converted to Christianity who could not let go of the law and, and certain things about it. So they were trying to get the Gentiles to be circumcised and to follow the Mosaic law, which we know that Jesus had already fulfilled. Another thing that people believed that the Judaizers were doing was making the claim that Paul was not a true apostle. So that's something that we're going to get into in chapter one and two. He's going to keep reiterating like, hey, I'm an apostle and here's why. And you're like, why is he so, why is he doing this so much? But the way he does it is so good. Yeah. Like it's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes when you're like reading through, you may think that some things are repetitive, but anything that's repetitive means that it's just of the utmost importance and it should be listened to. Right. One other big thing that I like about the book of Galatians is that it was a letter to churches. And what's important about that is this is basically any letter written to a specific church can almost be applied globally to the global church. We all are still going to struggle with some of these same things. And that's why it's awesome that we have these letters because in Paul's letters, he addresses things like division, freedom, you know, Lord's Supper, I mean, everything. And it's like, if these things applied to those churches back then, they can still apply to us today. And Paul had some divine revelations, so, I mean, we should really believe him. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's another big thing about, you know, when they're saying he's not a true apostle, even Todd said it in one of our sermons recently at church that he's not just a regular guy. Paul said that, but Jesus didn't say that, so we don't have to listen to him. Like, no, he was given a divine mission by God. God appeared to him just. and revealed these things to him. Like, he was not just a regular guy. Right. So basically, if God revealed things to him, it's important that we listen to them. Yes. Yeah, he was given this mission. And so that's what's a big deal. Another thing to notice about Galatians is that it is a short letter. And the reason this is important is because it tells us how urgent this was. But it's urgent because it's happening right now when he's writing this letter that this thing is becoming more prevalent in their church. And he needs to squash it before it becomes a bigger deal. Because they were going to be one of the first churches established. Like, they're going to be passing along their... They're going to be passing along the things that they were taught by the apostles to the next generation. Yeah. And back then, that's so important, too. Because, I mean, you have to think, not everyone can read. And so, word of mouth is so important. And, I mean, not only can everyone not read, but, you know, not everyone has the, the tools in front of them. Like, we're lucky enough to have a Bible on our phones and you know I have one in my car and I have one in my purse like you know just you have it at your fingertips and back then like word of mouth is so important lies or or a different gospel well just think about the game of telephone how if I tell you something and then you go and tell someone else something how it may have shifted a little bit that's really scary yeah Um, and think about it over an entire region like thousands of people playing telephone well and that's why it was so important that the apostles who were with Jesus throughout his ministry were first-hand witnesses. They mm-hmm. saw it. They were able to go say, 
this is what we saw, this is what we heard, this is what he did to one person. And then it spread on. Like, they obviously, they told more than one person <laughs> to a bunch of people. But yeah. they were firsthand. It wasn't like, oh, this guy told me about this guy, which right. I think is also powerful. But when it's yeah. coming directly from someone who was with him, and they may have even seen them with him during those three years, they know that it's more likely to be true. Right. And that's an important part. Yeah. And you, and you see, especially when it's coming from an apostle, they don't have false motives. Paul doesn't want to bring you to Christ for Paul. Like, he he has pure motives. This is not for me. This is for him and by him. And it's not by me or through me. This is the literal, like, word of God. As we go through, we're going to be saying words, and I just want to (laughs) say words that you may not know the exact definition (laughs) to. Um, So I just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page into what we're meaning when we say these things. So the first one is, what is the gospel? So the gospel is the good news of redemption, where the Holy Spirit works for our salvation. The biblical definition of the gospel can be found in 1 Corinthians 15, and it's basically just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and, and what that means. So it was something that was received, it was preached, and it saved people. Another word that I want to define is faith. So faith is an unwavering trust in God's promises. It is utter confidence in the faithfulness of God and consequent loving obedience. Genuine faith is going to lead to a changed life, including obedience to the will of God, good works, love. Saving faith leads to faithfulness. It's not just some intellectual, yeah, I think that happened. Faith is obedience, even when we don't know what the result will be, and having hope when you don't understand the big picture. The biblical definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11. It says that it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love that. Kind of already defined this, but just to make sure we're all on the same page. Judaizers were early Christian Jewish converts who opposed Paul's teaching of freedom from the law and insisted the Gentiles be circumcised and follow the Mosaic law. They believed in salvation through works and would not accept freedom. Justification is going to be a big one that we talk about too. Um, Justification is this once and for all thing. It's when sinners are declared righteous through faith and they're released from the penalty of sin and death. Justification is basically salvation. The sinner is free from guilt through complete forgiveness by the Father. It's an act of God by God, not something that a person can do. When we're justified, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And then these words, I don't think are specifically in Galatians, but they may be words that we kind of um, throw out as we're talking through some of the details. And the first one is sanctification. This is the process and result of being made holy. So after a person is justified, they are sanctified or set apart. Those justified are called to be transformed into the image of Christ. So this is going to be kind of an ongoing thing throughout your life. You are going to constantly be being pruned into the image of Christ. Something that we're never going to perfect, that we're always going to be working towards if we're true Christians. One big thing about sanctification, too, is that you're helped by the power of the Holy Spirit living within you in your sanctification process. Another big thing that we're going to talk about is legalism, and that's a word that's used a ton. It's excessive adherence to moral law. Legalism depends on works rather than faith for justification, 
It puts works above the gospel by establishing requirements for salvation beyond repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It's also going to take these broad concepts of morality, which are important things, but it turns them into these rigid rules that one must follow to be saved. It relies on the works of oneself for salvation instead of the work of Jesus Christ. Those are definitely important and definitely help help understand the at least the next couple of chapters. I haven't gone past that. <laughs> but they're, they're definitely helpful. It'll be a good to be able to go back and listen. To kind of wrap up, I just kind of want to say a little snip of what you can expect to um, experience and learn throughout this study. Basically, in our lives, we're conditioned to believe that nothing is free. We believe we have to do something or perform in some way to deserve everything that we get. This makes understanding our salvation a difficult concept to grasp. Society praises the idea of being self-sufficient and earning everything you have, whether it be your job, your house, your friends. We want to do something to earn it. We want to show that we are worthy of it. But this is anti-gospel. Salvation is a free gift through faith. This is not something that we have to do to earn because we could never do enough to earn it. If we could, there would have been no reason for Christ to come at all. He would not have needed to die, be buried, and be resurrected. This concept's hard to grasp because we have a hard time surrendering. We want to be in control of our salvation because we want to have the control and be in charge of everything, but this is anti-faith. Part of what makes faith so powerful is that it's hoping, trusting, and surrendering to someone other than ourselves. If we believe that God is as big as he reveals himself to be in scripture, we can trust fully in him. If we rely on our own goodness, our own works, we are telling him that we don't. Galatians is a letter that will teach us what freedom truly means. We will learn that we are free from guilt, shame, condemnation, and performance. John 8:36 says, "Who the sun sets free is free indeed." I hope that really helps set the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. In two weeks, we'll be posting the next episode that will cover chapter one. Music is by Scott Holmes.